Hello, friends, and welcome to the Now and Zen podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Goo Goo Sleep Company and by Dream Drive. Look, this is a country that's really resistant to change. They've been talking about achieving gender parity. But every year, if you look at the gender gap ranking, Japan just keeps on going down. You know, having laws to force the change is probably the only way to do it. Right. But the government itself is not a very good, they're not setting a very good example. No, no. What is it in government? Less than 10% are women? You know, actually, I mean, if you look at the cabinet of the of Prime Minister Suga, I mean, there's only two, two women in, uh, in his cabinet. But if you look at government employees, actually, there's probably more gender parity for government employees right. than in the private sector. If you were a government official and you were in charge of this 30% women in leadership positions, what type of things would you implement? First thing I would, pro- I would do is you know, set up a quota system. Every company that's listed in the Tokyo Stock Exchange should have at least 30% in their board of directors. That's the first thing. There you go. You can keep on setting targets, but if there is no will to implement the target, it's going to remain a target that you're going to just postpone whenever mm-hmm. you can't achieve it. If you're going to set a target, there should be penalties for companies that do not achieve the target. And what should those penalties be? You either pay, I don't know, probably get delisted nah. from the stock exchange. <laughs> Explore Japan in comfort and ease with Dream Drive. Rent a customized camper van to go camping, take nature hikes, relax at onsens, or just discover the many beautiful places less traveled around Japan. Dream Drive has various camper vans for solo travelers and families and is more affordable than trains and hotels as it's only one price per night. Go to dreamdrive.life to plan your next Japan adventure. Enter the coupon code ZEN and receive a sweet discount when making your customized camper van reservation. Dream Drive, the hotel on wheels. This episode, I sit down with Miss Cynthia Usui. As you just heard, she has some strong opinions and is passionate about female empowerment. Cynthia has been in the news a lot, being profiled in numerous Japanese and international media outlets for her efforts with gender equality, especially where it comes to housewives who long to relaunch their careers after raising children. She argues the skills learned as a stay-at-home mom are directly applicable to the workplace. Together with the Japanese government, she has developed a hospitality program which has made possible numerous women to re-enter the workforce. She is an expert on these topics as this has been exactly her career. After 17 years staying at home to raise a family, she rejoined the workforce in her late 40s and quickly rose to managerial level positions. She now teaches and mentors women on how to do the same. We also discuss living to 100 years and why retirement in your 60s might be way too early. It's a motivational analysis of priorities, work-life balance, and living one day at a time. Direct from Tokyo, this is Now in Zen with Cynthia Usui. Have you been on a podcast before? No, I think this is the first one. Ooh, that's exciting. Thank you. 
All right, we are with Cynthia Usui. Thank you for joining me on the Now in Zen podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Um, could you please give a brief bio of yourself and why people should be interested in what you do? Well, I don't know if people should be interested in what I do, but I guess the biggest thing that defines me is that I was, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom for 17 years, mm-hmm. and I went back to work, you know, built a career for myself despite having stayed home for 17 years. That's what has people talking about me. But I have to say that what I value really is that the 17 years I've spent raising my daughter, um, they were the happiest years of my life. Nice. Well, you have been profiled in the Financial Times, the Asahi newspaper, numerous magazines. You've published two books. And even NHK made a drama based on your experience. Yes. How do you feel about getting all of this attention? Well, I'm getting all this attention not because, you know, I'm a super talented person. I think I'm getting all this attention because I'm the only one who's, you know, been able to build a career after staying home for 17 years. You know, the times are, you know, the times are right. I mean, the government started talking about the 100-year life a couple of years ago. The 100-year life. Exactly. What and does that um mean? well longer lifespans for everyone. Okay, yeah. You know, so I think the average lifespan for a Japanese woman right now is 87 years old. You know, while people are talking about the 100-year life, I'm actually living it. You know, I turned 61 61 this year. And that's the age when people usually retire. According to the government, you still have another 40% of your life exactly, left. Exactly. You know, so do I spend the next 20 years uh, doing hot yoga, going to fancy restaurants? I don't think that's the way to live. I'd like to be as productive as possible. And so, um, you know, going back to work. Being a contributing member of society is uh, what I'd like to do. And uh, it just so happens that I started, after a 17-year break, I went back to work at the age of uh, 47. And um, actually, I joined the hospitality industry at the age of 52, when most people are looking already to slow down. So um, I think I'm just a bit ahead of everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, Five years down the road, you'll probably have more people like me. And the only reason that my story is out there, because I happen to be the only one right now. Well, you returned to the workforce in 2011. In Japan, yes. As a part-timer. And by 2017, you were the assistant director of new business development for the ANA Intercontinental Hotel. Yes, Could you outline what were the steps of your success ladder? Because that's a short time. That's six years. That's a very short time. Yes. So I was actually brought in as a sales manager. And uh, in three years, I became assistant director. You know, I was in sales. And sales is, you know, it's pretty, it's very concrete. So you either make the numbers or you don't. And um, I made the numbers. I mean, I, I met the targets and, you know, exceeded targets all the time. But I have to say that, you know, I was able to build that career because someone took a huge leap of faith in me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this person, the, the then general manager of ANA, Intercontinental Tokyo, 
did not look at my resume and did not look at my experience. I think he gave more value to the fact that I had the potential to succeed. In Japan, if you really want、uh, to achieve gender parity, there should be quotas. You know, as they say in Japanese,、uh, geta o hakaseru ne. So to. How would you translate that? Geta o hakaseru. Geta o hakaseru. So, geta is a, is a Japanese footwear、mm-hmm. where the heels are very high. Okay, so basically. In the front and the back. In the front and、so、the back. So, they're not high heels. Yeah. Right. So, basically, you,、um, you make women wear this geta so that they are elevated. But then it doesn't stop there. If you just put women in this footwear and leave them to walk on their own, they're not going to succeed. They're going to fail. You know, so, in my case, I was given the opportunity to put on this footwear. And、I'll, until I learned how to walk. Metaphorically, of course. Exactly. Until I learned how to walk in this footwear, I was given a lot of support. You know, I was very lucky. He believed in my potential to succeed. I was given the tools and the training to succeed, and I proved him right. That was a very big factor in how I was able to rebuild my career. That's fantastic. You mentioned you met all your quotas. Did you feel that you had to prove yourself, or did you work specifically, you know, work overtime or work on the weekends, do more than the average person just to prove yourself? Yes, I mean, definitely. I had to, I had to do a lot more to prove myself. And, and you know, and I, I understand that. It's just fair. You know, I took time off, 17 years, to raise my daughter. So I obviously did not put in as much time into the job. So, to be able to promote me instead of somebody who's been there the last 20 years, I had to justify that. And I justified that by exceeding target. And the only way you exceed target, really, for someone like me who's new in the hospitality industry, I had to spend a lot of time learning you know, what the hospitality industry was all about. I mean, and I was, in a, I was in an environment where everybody was Japanese, where everybody had been there for years. So, I definitely was the one who turned off the lights, and I definitely worked Saturdays and Sundays. But then, see, I didn't mind because, you know, I don't define work life balance on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. At that point, I was 52. I was happy to work 24 7 because, after all, I had spent the last two decades doing something else.、Yeah. You know, so I think work life balance should be really. Should be defined you know, throughout your life. Who's to say to me that I can't spend 20 years raising a child and then spend the next 20 years building a career? For me, that's balance. But it's kind of the culture in yes. Japan. Yes. And I think that has to change, especially if we're living the 100 year life. Right now, you know, lifespans have gotten much longer. The way employment works is you leave college at 20, join a company, work in your 30s, accelerate in your 40s, get a leadership role in your 50s, and retire in your 60s.、Right. If we're all living to 80, 90, 100 years old, what do you do with your life after 60? You know, you have another 20 years ahead of you. Juggling work and kids. Is really not the only option. Who's to say that you can't you know, go to work after college, 
slow down to raise your kids, accelerate in your late 40s and 50s, and take on a leadership role in your 60s right. or even 70s. You know, a longer lifespan has just given all of us so much more opportunities. And I think that's what people are not seeing because they're not yet in their 60s. True. You have said that none of your experience or achievements as a mother were legitimate to be even considered worthy as a work experience line in your resume. Yes, right now, when you write your resume, does anybody really write, you know, raising a child or motherhood? The way society views it is that I had a 17-year blank. To show society that you know, the time you spend raising your kids, it's not a blank. You acquire other skills. You know, on your LinkedIn profile, and you write a great piece on why can't I put raising my daughter as a, an experience on my resume. Exactly. And you make a great argument why that should happen. I mean, you point out things such as multitasking, creativity. These are all things any employer would value in any employee. Yes, unfortunately, um, right now, there are no metrics to evaluate time spent out of, out of work. And I do think that raising a child has made me, um, you know, a much better person. You know, raising children should not just be work for the women. I think men would benefit greatly from, you know, raising their children. Well, it was just announced in the news that the government is set to require companies to push paternity leave for male employees. I mean, it's a good thing that the government is doing this, but unless they be make it mandatory, I don't think it's going to go very far. Because right now, the benefits are there. Anybody can go and take paternity leave, but people are not doing it because there's not enough people doing it. People are reluctant to be the first to do it. Sure. Again, it's the nail that sticks out that gets hammered down. Well, the research of full-time male employees, among those who wanted to take childcare leave, 40% of them did not actually go ahead. They cited reasons such as, the company does not have a system in place and the workplace atmosphere is not so receptive. Exactly, and that's why I think that for... Which is code word for peer pressure. Yes, and, and that's why I do think that for a country like Japan that is so resistant to change, having quotas for paternity leave, having quotas for putting women in management, this are very important. Getting back to the metrics for full-time housewives slash mothers going back to the workforce, if you were to make a list of those metrics, what would they be? Oh, the very first thing would be, were they involved in the PTA? The PTA is it's a voluntary organization. So being involved and eventually um, having a leadership position at the PTA definitely speaks to whether this person has leadership qualities or not. Or people skills. I mean, exactly. I mean, imagine getting volunteers to all move towards the same purpose, the same direction. Definitely, I would, if, if you know, somebody had stayed home and were applying for a job, I would, that's the first thing I would ask. Were you involved in your school's PTA? Another metric would be, what new skills have you acquired while you stay home? Did you learn how to bake? Did you pick up a hobby where, you know, you became very good at? 
So again, being successful in a job is all about learning new skills. So did you pick up any new skills? Some people could say, well, I'm a stay-at-home mother now. All I'm going to do is just take care of my child or I'm a, I'm a full-time housewife now and I'm just going to clean the house and watch TV. But it takes somebody special to fill up that time with mental stimulation, physical stimulation. My so how wife. you motivate yourself and how you evaluate yourself. Because at the end of the day, when you're a housewife, nobody evaluates you. You know, cleaning. For me, did I clean in a haphazard way or was I organized in the way I cleaned? So definitely I would ask, you know, when you stayed home, what was your day like? You know, I would like, I would look at the schedule of this, of what, how this person spent the day. Because, because if you go back to work, I mean, we all have a schedule when we are working. You know, whether you like it or not, you go into work and you perform certain tasks. Right. So if you're staying home, I may not feel like cleaning the toilets today, but because it was a part of my job, I get up and clean the toilets. So it's really all about self-discipline as well. Wow, that's a great perspective. I never thought about that. Yes, that's why I say that there are housewives and there are housewives. There are homemakers and there are homemakers. Some people take things more seriously than others. If I were looking at somebody who spent 10 years not working, I would definitely ask, you know, how did you spend your day? There's a big difference between liking to cook and having to cook three meals a day okay there's a huge difference so you know I can get up in the morning and not feel like cooking but because I thought I was a professional homemaker I made sure that I cooked that's the difference between between being a homemaker and being a professional homemaker I took my job as a homemaker like any regular office job it didn't matter what I feel it was the job that was in, pro in front of me, and I had to do it. This served me well when I went back to work. How so? Because I had the discipline to do tasks that I did not particularly like. That's why it's called work. You know, you have to do things that you may not want to do at that particular time. There were days when I did not feel like I wanted to cook. But, you know, it was the task that was in front of me, and I got yeah. it done. Well, that's kind of the difference between people that like to cook as a hobby and people that, that cook because they have to. Being a homemaker is not a hobby. Right. I like to cook, but once a hobby becomes an obligation, I think it ceases to be a hobby. I think so too. Well, this ties into one of the titles of the books that you wrote, mm -hmm. Eight Things Full-Time Housewives Should Do Before Entering the Workforce. Exactly. What are the top three things? Well, the top three things, as I mentioned before, get involved in your PTA or your okay. local neighborhood association. Number two, you know, have a schedule for your day. That is really important. Having a schedule for your day teaches you how to manage your time. And number three, you just need to keep on learning new skills. It doesn't matter if it's a new recipe. It doesn't matter if it's baking cookies. It doesn't matter if it's sewing creating Halloween costumes for your children, but you need to find projects to fill your day because achieving those projects is how you, you, know, you build 
the self-confidence that although no one is looking, no one is evaluating you, you are achieving something and you're evaluating yourself. Wow. Yeah, so actually, I'm really, I'm really proud of the record of that book because it was published in uh, 2017, I think. Mm-hmm. And to this day, people are buying the book. And to this day, I have a request from the media for interviews regarding the book. And originally, I wrote the book for, um, for women like myself who were in their 50s and trying to go back to work. But I've been told by the publisher that more and more women in their 30s are actually reading the book to sort of prepare themselves for the future. And that's also what the NHK drama series yes. was based on that yes, book, right? Yes, exactly. The ratings were very good, but I have to say more people are probably reading the book now than watching the drama. Sure, it's, it's been over for two yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. Were you a consultant on the drama yes, series? Yes, they, they actually, um, you know, I actually got the screenplay and um, I actually saw them making it. And I, I have to thank NHK for this. They were very, very true to the book. I mean, I remember watching the drama. I remember watching the first and second episode and thinking that they were so... I could really see myself in what the actress was doing. I really appreciate that NHK really... They really um, stood by the book. They didn't change anything. Did you make a cameo appearance at any time? No, no, not at all, not at all. I was happy to leave that to them. We all know getting a great sleep is important. And this is what Goo Goo is all about. Super comfortable mattresses at very affordable prices and delivered to your home for free. They back up their best sleep ever promise with a 100-night money-back guarantee. Learn more at gugu.jp and enter the coupon code ZEN for your 20% discount. Goo Goo. Better sleep, better you. Well, you offer coaching programs for housewives to rebuild or reinvent their careers. Then you connect them with potential employers in the hotel and tourism industry. Obviously, this has been affected negatively by COVID. I mean, that's the tragedy of this pandemic. You know, I was able to rebuild my career because I happened to join an industry that was growing. If I had joined another industry like banking, for, for instance, somebody like me would not have happened. So with new hotels going up, there were just a lot more opportunities because there was a labor shortage. So I was very lucky in that I was able to get a grant from uh, the Ministry of Trade and then another one from the Japan Tourism Agency. And with these grants, I was able to introduce women into the opportunities in the hospitality industry. Then at the end of this course, it was a course that was designed for two Saturday mornings. And on the third Saturday, there would be a job matching event. And I had a very, very high success rate of placing these women in the hotels. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, when the pandemic struck, the first people who were laid off were obviously the part-timers. And these women have not been with the hospitality industry long enough to become permanent workers. So that is truly a tragedy. Um, and I feel this, I feel the pain so much because there are all these women who finally got their journey started. And again, they're stalled. Yeah. 
as we just mentioned, that you want to pass the baton on to other women. You want to create this wave of successful case studies that almost forces it to become the norm, if possible. Yeah, really wiped out everything. The women who took the course three years ago, one of them actually um, joined the hospitality industry. And right now, she's doing PR for one of the luxury hotels. Nice. And I'm telling people out there, it's just not me. There are a lot of other women who have followed my path. There could be more, you know, because of the pandemic, obviously everybody is at the standstill right now. This coaching program that you are doing or could soon do again, I'm very interested in this. Could you share some more insight on what this coaching Uh, program was it was it motivational was it academic was it skills enhancement based what was it so so for a woman who has had this gap in their career for them to go back you really need three things and the program and my personal commitment offered the three things basically the course is about introducing women to the you know to the potential of the tourism industry it was a growing industry so people needed to see that And then I gave them an overview of uh, what the hospitality industry is like. Because, you know, people talk about a hotel, but usually people think, oh, a hotel is where you you sleep when you're on a trip. People don't see that a hotel is also composed of restaurants. Basically, I introduce, I give an overview of the uh, hospitality of the hotel industry to these women. And I motivate them to start at entry-level positions because it's a growing industry with a labor shortage. So you can start at an entry-level position and be good at it and proceed to the next level, which is basically what I did. Exactly. I started at an entry-level position and moved on to a management position. And it really helps when you have somebody who's done that in front telling this woman that you can do it too. That's the first part. That's the motivational part. That's the motivational part and a little bit of the introducing the industry part. Okay, so it's a combination of both. And then the second part is counseling. Counseling in, in the sense that you teach them how to write a resume. Because a lot of these women have not written a resume in the last 10, 15 years. There you go. You teach them how to dress up for an interview. When you go for an interview in your 20s and when you go for an interview in your 50s, it's not the same. You know, so you teach them how to present themselves in an interview, how to answer questions. You know, you make them comfortable talking in front of other people. Mm-hmm. And you Do you make- evaluate their skill set individually? Let's say this one woman is bilingual, for example. Yes, or this definitely. One- it's it's not even that. So what I've done is, you know how the how in business we do the the SWOT analysis, S W O T. I apply this to this women. So I said, okay, we're going to do a SWOT analysis of yourself. So what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Where do you see the opportunity and where do you see the, the threats? Then they begin, by doing this, they begin to see who they are and what they are capable of. That's the second part. So we do the uh, counseling part. Okay. And then they go to their job matching event. And the third part, which is you know my personal commitment, once they've started working, I organize a mentoring session every couple of months just to get everybody together, you know, networking, sharing their experiences, sharing how they're moving forward or sharing how they're not moving forward. 
women do not have to be lucky to have this opportunity. And that's why, that's why I'm always out there in the media, not because I want the focus to be about me, but I want people to focus on the fact that women deserve this chance. At the very least, women deserve to be interviewed for a position. Sure. And not to be turned down just because they're older and just because they have gaps in my resume. And see, that, that is why when I get this um, interview request, I always make it a point that it's not only me that the interviewer is talking about, but that there's another woman in the interview. I'd like to make people see the me that was in 2011. Right. You know, right now, yeah. everything that's attracting the attention is this woman who was successful despite the 17-year blank. But see, they need to see the person that I was when I started the journey. Right. You've been on this journey. You've been inspiring women for many years. So there must be a lot of women out there that are trying to do the same thing. Exactly. You want the spotlight off of you yes. and you want the spotlight on them. Exactly. And that's why when you look at my Financial Times interview, it wasn't all about me. There was somebody else who was in the interview yes. and somebody else was, you know, shared the photo with me. And see, that's very important. Women, I don't want to be kumo no ue no hito. You know, I don't want to be that successful person because then, pe then women tend to think that, oh, that's because it was Cynthia. I want them to see me in different stages. You want to pass the baton on to somebody exactly, else. Exactly, exactly. So I'm there to teach and basically to cheerlead. So I'm the biggest cheerleader. Facilitate. Yes, you know, everybody needs someone to believe in them. And What I, color I are your pom-poms? Probably bright red. Nice. <laughs> I believe that I will be a success when there is no need for someone like me anymore. It means that women are able to rejoin the workforce. That's the norm. Society is willing to accept that. Right. They no longer need a cheerleader. Nice. I like that. And this is very, very important. Like I said, I, I will not be in the position that I am today mm -hmm. if people had not taken the time out to mentor me. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You had a great mentor at the Intercontinental Hotel. That is a international chain. That's a gaishike. Do you think that had anything to do with your being given the opportunity? Yes, I have to say that, um, you know, I, I probably, I was able to become who I am because it really took the non-Japanese to give me the opportunity. All the women who've come after me that, are, um, that have built careers in the hospitality industry were also working at the non-Japanese hotels. But, you know, things are improving. During the last uh, job uh, matching event that we had, we actually had a number of, Jap of Japanese hotels that joined. This is uh, thanks to the uh, Japan Tourism Agency. They really put out the word but again, unfortunately, Japanese uh, companies are not as flexible in evaluating talent. It's really more about seniority, you know, number, number of years spent in a company right. and not ability. Again, that's okay. You know, I, I tell the women that there's nothing to prevent you from working for a Japanese company, getting your experience there, and then moving on. 
Right. You know, lifetime employment is probably what keeps uh, Japanese society stable. What I think prevents women from advancing is promotion is not based on your achievements, but based more on the number of years you've been with the company. Exactly. You would have these coaching programs, and then you would have potential employers come and meet them, almost like a job fair? Yes, we actually had a job fair going on. How many employers would come, or how、oh, many hotels、so、would come? There were actually 16 hotels that showed up for the job matching event. Um, vying for the 25 women、wow. who、uh, took the course. How many got jobs? Almost everybody got an offer. That's awesome. I mean, look, there was a, there, there was a labor shortage. Right. And you had 25 women who began to see that you know, a job being a, a restaurant server was not a dead end job. Right. I tell the women that your first job really is like. Getting on the train that's about to leave the station. So, all you really need to do is get on that train,、right. and then you can switch trains along the way. Well, that's what happened with me with my career in Japan is the first job that I had was not my dream job.、Ooh. Yes. However, I had an opportunity, it was given to me, I got my foot in the door. And then once you get in, then it's up to you、yes. to carve your path. And exactly. That's, and, and see, that's the thing. In Japan, unlike the United States, there is no、uh, foot in the door saying. No? And, no, and I think it's because we're all about lifetime employment. What I tell the women who take the course is that you just need to take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of you. That ball is in front of you. Take it. And run with it and see where you end up next. Step up to the plate and take a swing. Exactly, exactly. Use another sports metaphor there. <laughs> We probably should talk about the hundred year life. What most people don't realize is that the longer lifespan we have is actually a gift. It's a gift for us to, you know, reevaluate our lives, to probably take it slower. Because we have all this time to do so many things that we would like to do. Why rush through life when you have a longer lifespan? Society has made it in such a way that we all retire at 60, 65. But if you're healthy and still raring to go, for me, doing hot yoga every day, for you, being on the golf course every day, maybe that will be fine for a year. But for 20 years? You get pretty good at golf. <laughs> I'm still having issues as to what I'll be doing between now and 80. I have, I have a good 18, 19 years left. Maybe you can become a personal assistant for your daughter. Well, she doesn't need a personal assistant right now. <laughs> right.、Uh, that's what I'm talking about. You've still got another、that's、40%、true. of your lifetime yeah, to go. That's true. It's, you know, so right now, my. What I'm trying to do is figuring out well,、uh, what I'll be doing for the next 18 years. What do you want to do? Ideal for me is probably doing guest relations at some hotel, <laughs> just because I like helping people. I sense that that's not going to be enough. Well, you know, see, Andrew, we talk about goals, and see, that's something I have had to let go as I get older. Because really, it's a longer lifespan. But you don't know 
whether you're going to be healthy. You don't know whether you're going to be around next year, a year down the road. Having goals as you grow older is probably really frustrating. So I think the trick to a happy, a happy life when you're older is really living by the day. You know, having a goal for each day. And for me, guest relations is really ideal because it's all about making the person in front of you happy. It's all about making things easier for the person in front of you. I've heard that Japanese don't really need to be taught hospitality. It's in their DNA. Do you agree with this? No, I really don't agree with that. I think the Japanese version of omotenashi is really based on what they think omotenashi is all about. And for me, hospitality is, you know, looking at the individual and sensing and discovering what this person wants. You know, and I think for Japanese hospitality, it's a very, very, you know, it's almost like there's a manual and they do it for, ev- for all the guests that come. That's very different from my definition of hospitality. You know, if somebody walks in the door, the automatic greeting is irashaimase. Right. Whether that person is Japanese or not Japanese. Because this is Japan, that's probably the right thing to do. But then on the other hand, if somebody walks in probably, you know, wanting, wanting more conversation, then it really should be more than irashaimase. It could be like, irashaimase, you know, the weather, the weather today is awful. Thank you for coming. I think Japanese omotenashi lacks, lacks personalization. You know, it's, a, it's almost like it's the same for everyone. Well, by definition, checklist hospitality is not true hospitality. It's just very good service. It's just very good service. I think that's the issue that Japan has because everybody is well-educated, everybody is well-trained. You can expect a very consistent above-average service. Where the problem begins is when guests expectations need to be exceeded. The Japanese have a real issue with exceeding expectations because exceeding expectations are acts of service that are not in a manual. You really need to know the guest, to sense what the guest wants at that moment, and to effortly, you know, without any effort in a most natural way, to the individual guest right in front of you. It sounds like what you're talking about is a lack of personal empowerment when it comes to hospitality. True. Is there a Japanese translation, a direct translation of empowerment? I can't think of one. Right? I can't think of one. I've asked many people and yeah. nobody, nobody knows. They, often they say jiko sekinin, but that's no, not... No, that's not the same thing. No, it's not. Yeah? It's not. No. Um, you know, what, what makes Japan easy, a really comfortable place to live in, is that everybody follows the rules. That's really, really good. But then, you know, sometimes what happens when you can't follow the rule, and I think that's when things fall apart. They sort of do not know how to react if, um, if it's an unexpected situation. What's your favorite Japanese word that doesn't have a direct English translation? 
My favorite Japanese word. I often ask a lot of my guests this, and they come up with words like omotenashi or kikubari. I would say phrase. So my favorite phrase is kuki o yomu. Me too. Yes, it's, I guess you could translate it into English as, you know, reading the atmosphere. Or, read the room. Um, but we would say to read the room. Or to sense the atmosphere of the room. I think with the Japanese, it's a lot more than that. A lot of the times, it's really, there are so many things that are left unsaid and that uh, you should be able to understand. Right. You know, which is actually an issue for, you know, for a foreigner like myself. And I would like to, I would like to think, having arrived in Japan in 1980 as a student and having spent all my life in Japan or within the Japanese community, that I'm pretty good at reading the air. But even then, I, I do get it wrong because sure. um, just so many things are left unsaid. Why do you like that phrase? Because it's very, very Japanese. And at the same time, it's probably the one skill that people who did not grow up in Japan have great difficulty attaining. There's an insult in Japanese that is basically translated as, he can't read the air. Yes. I mean, if you look at Japanese, I mean, I don't think there is any other language where people can communicate without a subject in their sentences. <laughs> you know? I often, I often say that sometimes. I mean, for example, like, somebody can walk into the room and, you know, you say, tabeta, eat. I mean, <laughs> but these two people in the room would probably understand that if it's in the evening, have you eaten dinner? And it, it doesn't happen in any other language where you communicate only with a verb very, very um, ordinary greetings, like you run into each other and you say, konoaida domo. I mean, how do you translate that? Konoaida domo. Thanks, what, th thanks for last time. It's understood that, you know, the both of you know what last time was all about. Well, if the last time that we met, we went and we played golf together and I, I bought the round of golf, then that's... Or it could be, you know, because you sent something to them. And I mean, I mean what if you did both? What if you had a round of golf... And then the following day, you sent a present. Konoaida wa domo. I mean, what are you re referring to? Was it oh. the round of golf or was it the present or was it both? It was both. <laughs> That's the way I would interpret it. What are you curious about these days? I'm curious about whether the Japanese society will go back to the way it worked after the pandemic or will the society have changed in a way that makes it more efficient. Do people continue to work from home? Do people continue to spend long hours in their offices? That's what I'm curious about. Will there be an enhanced work-life balance? You know, nowadays in my neighborhood, I see a lot of uh, men with their children at five o'clock in the afternoon, Yes. which I never saw before. Once the pandemic is over, will people, will men go back to long hours in the office or will they want to be home to be with their children? So there are some long-term silver linings to this COVID situation. Yes, definitely. Do you think there are some silver linings for some of the women that you have coached? The International 
uh, airline passenger association i think predicted that you know international travel will not get back to 2019 levels until 2024 so that's four years from now you know that's a long time away japan is very much on the on the bucket list of most travelers so i do True. think the tourism will come back and um, when it does the demographics are not going to change because of the pandemic we will continue to have a labor shortage i guess it's just finding things to do before before international travel comes back you know we're beginning to see that domestic travel has obviously come back so um at some point in time hotels are probably going to rehire people so the women who have attended my classes have experience in the hotel industry now so maybe they'll be they'll get to be first in line hopefully hopefully yes well Cynthia thank you very much you but you are an inspiration for a lot of women that want to re-enter the workforce but your other message is an inspiration for everybody to live a well and fulfilling life thank you Andrew thank you for your time today that was fun thanks And that was Cynthia Usui, empowerment coach, motivational speaker, and soon-to-be hotel concierge extraordinaire. Her LinkedIn profile is where you can read her press clippings, her fantastic articles, and her thought-provoking posts. So stop by her page and say hi, and prepare to be enlightened. Thank you for listening today. If you found this episode enlightening, please subscribe, leave a review, or post a comment on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Until next time. Bye, everyone.